Servant Leadership Institute podcast. Today we are supplying you with a great repurposed podcast from our friend and upcoming conference speaker, Dove Barron. This podcast was recently recorded through Dove's channel, where our founder and CEO, Art Barter, was a guest. We are excited to have Dove speak at our upcoming Servant Leadership Conference in February. And after this podcast, we think you will understand why. Grab a pen and pad of paper because this is quite the noteworthy conversation. Enjoy. Hey, this is Art Barter, president and CEO of Daytron World Communications and uh, also uh, founder and CEO of the Servant Leadership Institute. Um, you know, we have a radio company and, and we teach servant leadership and we're here to share with you today on the Dove Baron Leadership and Loyalty Show. Uh, we're going to share some things about our transformation as leaders moving from the power model to the service model and uh, some of the challenges we faced and some of the things that worked for us. We're going to share some stories with you about the transformation and um, tell you about some of the things that we saw as a result of that transformation. So, guys, you're going to really love this. Uh, Dove does a great job in his show. Uh, I know you guys love what he does, so we're, we're just thrilled to be here. Uh, stay tuned, and we're going to be ready to go here in just a second with you. So, love to be with you guys and talk to you in a minute. Congratulations. You are tuned into Dove Barron's Leadership and Loyalty Show, the number one podcast for Fortune 500 executives and those who are dedicated to creating a quantum leap in leadership. Your host, Dove Barron, is the founder of FullMontyLeadership.com. He's an executive mentor to leaders like you, a contributing writer for Entrepreneur Magazine, CEO World, and he's been featured on CNN, Fox, CBS, and many other notable sites. Dov Barron is an international business speaker who was named by Inc. Magazine as one of the top 100 leadership speakers to hire. Now, over to Dov Barron. Welcome, dear friends, fans, and fellow aficionados of leadership excellence. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Dov Barron's Leadership and Loyalty Show, part of the Full Monty interview series, where today we're going to be looking at servant leadership. Is it a nice theory? a current in vogue trend, or is it something real that can actually make you a better leader? If you're a new listener, new viewer, thank you for joining us. Strap yourself in. We're about to go full Monty. If you're a regular, thank you for making us the number one podcast in the world globally for Fortune 500 listeners. There are over 2 million downloads and plays, so we're very honored to, and to be cited by Inc.com as the number one podcast to make you a better leader. So thank you for sharing the show with everybody you know. And listen, there are over a million podcasts out there. Literally, thousands of them are focused on business and leadership. But only one, this one, is focused on what's at the heart and soul of leadership. And you're tuned into it right now with me, Dov Barron. So remember, as always, we need your help in staying relevant. So please get over to iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe and share the show. All right, let's strip it down and dive right in. As a leader, whether you're a CEO, someone in the C-suite, a sales leader, an entrepreneur, a leader in any capacity, you know that leadership trends come and go. 
knowing what is at the core for you will always say, will always be what level of commitment you have to a particular trend. But for me, real leadership is about self-exploration. And servant leadership will require that. Our guest today is Art Barter. Now, Art is the creator of the Servant Leader Institute. He created SLI as a vehicle to share his knowledge and teach others how to inspire and equip their influence as they influence. As the owner and cultural uh, architect of Datron World Communications, Inc., Art Barter turned a $10 million company into a $200 million company in just six years. That success was born out of Art's desire to transform traditional systems of leadership into servant-led organization. Art is the author of two books on servant leadership. Farmer Abel, a fable about servant leadership transforming organizations and people from the inside out, and servant, and then he has the Servant Leadership Journal, which is an 18-week journey to transform you and your organization. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the founder of SLI, Servant Leader Institute, Mr. Art Barta. Yeah! Crowd goes wild. Welcome, Art. Good to have you here. Oh, great to be here. Thank you so much for that great introduction. And uh, can't tell you how thrilled we are to be uh, part of your show and supporting your effort in, in creating better leaders. So uh, we're excited to be here today. Yep. Fabulous. Thank you, sir. So let's let's start off at this. And like I said, servant leadership is a term we hear more and more often these days. And so often uh, is the case with a term becomes a matter of interpretation. Uh, you know, we say servant leader, what does it mean to this person versus what does it mean to that one? So as the creator of the Servant Leader Institute, we want to hear from you, the man who truly knows, what does it mean to be a servant leader? Well, you know, I, I was part of the corporate power world for many, many years. And um, the difference between what I experienced in that in that environment versus what I've experienced in the last uh, 15 years, mm -hmm. is the leader um, has a heart. The leader has a heart. <laughs> and the leader isn't afraid to share their heart and let other people see their heart. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that heart can be smiling and be, you know, everything is going great. Or that heart could be going through some struggles because we're all human beings. We are all human beings. We all struggle. Um, but what I found is leaders who want to help people, uh, that comes from the heart. doesn't come from the mind. No. It comes from the heart. Mm -hmm. And you have this desire to help people grow. You have the desire to help them um, accomplish what they want to accomplish in life, not just at work, but in life. Mm -hmm. Work is a big part of their life. And, um, you know, making that shift in that mindset to letting the heart out of this cage it's been in for a long, long time. It's a big transformation for leaders. And, you know, you touch on it, the, the, the being um, vulnerable and showing people who you are. Right. And letting them see the real art or the real dove and not this made up uh, person who's more in tune to a title versus just being the person they're supposed to be. And, um, you know, that's the biggest difference. Before the heart was kind of suppressed, it was suppressed. Yeah, the old model did not allow for that at all. 
didn't allow for it. And now the heart has to be at the forefront of what you do. So, and so tell us, because this isn't, you know, you know, you're not in your 20s or your 30s. I'm certainly not. Uh, and many of the leaders who are, let's say, 55 plus, this is a strange concept. I mean, I know because I speak on this, as you know, and speak on vulnerability and the power of vulnerability in leadership. And you're speaking about, about the need for the heart. And I talk about the need for the heart and the soul. So, you know, we're on the same page here. Yeah. But when we when we're confronted with a leader who is 55, 65, even 75 years old, this is foreign language. This is something that is may even seem a little woo-woo for them. How right. do you, you know, are you, I, do you find that you're, with the Civil Leader Institute, you're speaking to the next gen of leaders who are under 55 years old or even younger, under 45? Or, or is it getting through to, to the older generation? The interesting part, uh, Dove, is all the leaders we talk to, whether they're senior leaders, middle management leaders, supervisors, regardless of their age, they've been exposed to the power model uh, in, in companies. They know it's not working. They mm -hmm. want something different. All of them want something different. Right. Now, wanting something different means something totally different to each age group, right? And that's cool. that's where you try and bring people together. And in, in generation my age, uh, I'm 63 for everybody that's out there, um, you know, people my age were taught that information is power and security. And how do you get folks that are in the latter part of their life? And I hope I have another 20 years in, inside of me. I don't know if I'm not you know, five years away, but how do we spend our time today transferring the knowledge we have into that younger generation? And it's really my job today as CEO of Daytron is how, how can I create knowledge in people and help them understand the business just as well as I understand the business mm -hmm. and appreciate what's going on so they can manage it in the same way with, with a different mindset. And so my job today isn't leading the charge. My job is creating leaders who can lead that charge. And it's totally different for, for, for my age group. Sure. The younger generation, you know, we, and, and you know this really well, they need to have purpose. Absolutely. They've got to have purpose in their life. And if, if you don't give them purpose, guess what? They're going to go look for something somewhere else pretty quick. Right. And on average, we're going to have somewhere between one and two years to impact that life where, you know, a guy my age, you entered the workforce, you stayed with a company 10, 15, 20 years. You didn't jump around. No, nope. that's not the case today. And so we like to, sh to share and help leaders understand you need to meet people where they are. Yes. And then you can help them. Don't go in and say, I'm going to help you before you listen to what they have to say, understand it. Um, let them share some of their stories, get to know them, and then you can help them. Okay, where do you want to go? Yeah. If, you, you, if you don't do that, you're the British Empire. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Just you know, we know what's better for you, so we're going to tell you what to do, <clears throat> and then you'll have a revolution on your hands. I mean, history teaches uh, the history of the world teaches a lot about leadership, but mm -hmm. at the same time, I'm still back to this question, which is yes, okay. Um, a majority of leaders say, okay, we want something new. But there is also a large chunk of leaders who are 60 plus, 55 plus even, who are saying, you know what, I don't need to change. It works for me. 
they're in the dictatorial situation, they're the authoritarian leader. And this is, it's worked for me. I built this company, particularly if it's a, a founder, I built this company from the scratch or I came in when it was very small and I built it to this. Don't tell me what to do, mm-hmm. you know, because ultimately very often those people will look at the harsh reality of businesses that employees are a means to an end. How do you get the the concept of, of servant leadership across to them in a way that they can see value in it? Because for them, it may seem very uh, like it takes away rather than gives. So let me share with you a story of one of our senior leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, when we started servant leadership back in 2005, uh, we all got up and said, here's, here's what we've come from. Here's who we are. And this gentleman got up. He was a senior leader, head of marketing sales. He said, you know what? I've been this way for years. This is the type of leader I am. I'm not going to change. And he said, thank you very much and sat down and, and, and be quiet. So he basically told the, the, the company, I'm not going to change who I am. Right. So his transformation started through where we bring people from the outside to help leaders transform. But at the same time, my, my leaders, I also ask guys like the Maxwell's and Blanchers come in and do things for them and their spouses and their significant others. So in the morning, we'll do something to build the leaders. In the afternoon, we'll do something to build the family. And in that process, what this gentleman told me, he says, Art, I think this servant leadership thing is going to backfire on you. I said, well, what do you mean? He says, I've discovered through the things you've taken me through about family that I want to spend more time with my grandchildren. <laughs> I said, then why aren't you spending more time with your grandchildren? He said, well, I don't know how to do that. I, 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 want, to, I want to make so much money. I said, so tell me how much money you want to make. I'll help you meet that goal so you can go spend more time with your, with your grandkids. And guess what? We set the goal. He reached it. He's now working part-time. He's an advisor for the company. He's quit, retired three times, but he comes <laughs> back and says, I will do anything for you because you've given time with my family back, not just help me meet the financial goal. Mm-hmm. And so here's a gentleman in his age that was missing something. He was missing time with his family. Yeah. How yeah. can I help them get that back? And the older leaders, sometimes they'll say, you know, how do I trust people? We help them build trust with the other generations, with the leadership team. How do we build trust? How do we help the people to listen? Sometimes we run across guys like myself. Listening wasn't a great, great discipline I had. I, I was not a great listener, and I had to find out that I wasn't a great listener before I studied it and, and looked at what I could do to change. So your answer is everybody's different, and our yeah. job is, is to help them find what they want out of life, help them get that, and you're going to have employees that will do anything for the organization, Absolutely. anything. I can't get this guy to retire. because <laughs> I will do anything because you've given that time back to me. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so let's go back to something you just brought up there, which is, is you know, you said you re- realized that you weren't a good listener. The, the problem with, in my experience of being a consultant and working 30-odd years doing this too, is um, – that the people who lack the listening skills often think they're great listeners. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> I was there. I was there, Doug. Right. So, so, so to walk us through a little bit of dealing with that. So when we got started with servant leadership, I was frustrated because I, I new CEO, just bought the company, 
we're going to be a servant-led organization. I expect everybody to get behind me in charge. After a year and a half, I looked behind me. I had a couple of people behind me, but where was the rest of the team? Right. Because just because I declared it doesn't mean that it was going to happen. Right. And so, and one of our offsites, I said, guys, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go off, come up with what you think the 10 characteristics of a good servant leader are. They created that list in three groups. I said, okay, now take the three groups and come up with one list. They came up with one list. I wasn't involved in this. This was their, their doing. At that point in time, and I realized, I realized this a year or two later, that's when I transferred ownership in this program to them. I transferred mm -hmm. ownership to them. Right. Now, what we agreed to do was, listening was one of the items, is we'd all do a 360 review on everybody. So I had about 30 leaders in the company at the time, so I got 30 reviews on myself. Ooh. Opened up one Friday night, looked at them, and I said, I've spent all this time and money, and this survey is wrong. It's wrong. <laughs> we didn't ask the questions right. We didn't, we didn't do something. We didn't put them in the right order. I went home, and Lori, my wife, uh, she, she knew something was wrong. She says, Art, what, what's wrong? I said, well, I found out that the survey is wrong. And she says, what do you mean? I said, we didn't ask the questions right, went through all the cues. She says, what did you find out? And I said, I found out I wasn't a great listener. That I, I was rated worse in listening than anything else. She didn't even look up from what she was doing, Dove. She kept her head down. She says, tell me something I don't already know. <laughs> don't you love Don't you love having honest wives? Well, for love and support. And what I get is confirmation that what I was told was correct. <laughs> now, if I'm a leader of power, I'll throw it all out and I won't listen to it. Mm -hmm. But I already made a commitment to the team that we're going to pick the two lowest things we, we were rated on. And we're going to tell the leadership team what we're going to do to improve in those two areas. I was the first one to present. Wow. I was the first one. I didn't ask somebody else to. I, I went first. So my study of listening, I found out that listening was a form of love. And if I cared about people, really cared for them, that I would take my time and listen. And two of the, the best questions that, that came out of that study time is I asked two questions. I, I said, tell me more and help me understand. Just mm -hmm. keep telling me information and then help me understand what you've told me. Once I get through all those questions and all the input and I can – hear everything they told me and then feel what they're feeling. Now I'm ready to help them. And I had to learn that through that exercise. And I thought I was a good listener. Mm -hmm. And what I found out was, Art, you really need to change. And so most of the people who need to change are the, are the folks that think they're great listeners. And we have to help them understand they're not. And part of that is, okay, you're going to be vulnerable now because you're going to get feedback from others around you. That's going to put you in an area that's going to make you uncomfortable. Leadership is uncomfortable. And Absolutely. Part of that uncomfortable is true leadership yeah. is is very uncomfortable. That's why most people don't do it. But yeah, that's why exactly. they don't do true leadership. Exactly. So you're going to hear some things about yourself you're not going to like. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do? Are right. you just going to put it in the drawer and not change? Or are you going to look at it and go, I could be a better person. I can be a better husband. I can be a better father. I can be a better leader in everything in my life, why don't you want to take that journey? Why don't you want to take that journey, well, right? I think there's another piece, and I'm really interested in exploring this with you. I did a, I did a, uh, a show on this recently, uh, one of my own shows. I do Leadership Unscripted, which is me speaking for 15 to 40 minutes, and, and it was called uh, Psychics and Sycophants. Mm -hmm. uh, and it talked about 
leaders who think they're psychics are meaning that they, well, I know what my people are thinking. I, I mean, I, I, it came out of a conversation. I was in a boardroom working with a team and the, the founder of the company said, you know, this is just a waste of time and everybody thinks it's a waste of time. Mm-hmm. And I said, really? That's fascinating. How do you know that? And he goes, I can just tell. Well, you know, I'd had a conversation with those people before he arrived in the room. They certainly didn't think it was a waste of time. They thought it was phenomenal. But yeah. he did. The problem was, I said, well, okay, let's check it out. Now, remember, I've had a conversation with them five minutes before in which they said, it's wonderful. But they're going to have a sycophantic response to him. They're going to agree with him because there's one thing he has over me. He writes the freaking check. Right, exactly. And that's what counts. So this is the great challenge of leadership is, is it's one thing to ask for honesty. It's a whole other thing to get it when you are the person who carries the guillotine. You, you know, like if I speak up and you can cut me off because I spoke up, and even if you're saying, well, I have an open door policy and we have open communication, you can tell me anything. Oh, yeah, oh. except that. Yeah. Here's uh, I'll start with the last part, the open door policy. I, mm-hmm. I, I want to encourage leaders rip the f- doors Freaking off your off. Yeah. because having your door open doesn't show me that you want to invest in other people. Show me your calendar. Yes. Show me that you're scheduling time with people to help them get better. Just saying your door is always open. I'm a CEO. That title has authority to it. People aren't going to walk through my door because exactly. of the I need to go to them and meet them where they are. So if you really want to be a leader that invests in other people, show me your calendar. Don't talk me talk to me about your office door. Um, it takes, and, it's one thing to say my door is always open, but you have to also, as a leader, we have to consider that it takes courage to walk through that door, particularly if I'm going to walk through that door and talk about you. And right. most, it, most people will go, you know, you know what? Yeah, I know the door is open, but... Even if I get through the door, it's probably not going to listen to me because, you know, who am I compared to him or her? Right. So, you know, it's a ludicrous statement. But if you're if you're if you really care about people, you want to build trust, you want to be that relationship person. Right. You've got to you've got to create that safe environment for people to to speak their mind mm-hmm. as a leader. And I do this, do this often. I know that. The communication in that room, when I have a group of leaders in the room, I know there's a time for me to leave the room because I know people who have information that needs to be put on the table, they're not going to do that while I'm in the room. Right. So isn't it more important for that information to come out than for me to look like I'm at the head of the table and I know what I'm doing and I already know what the solution is? Step out for 15, 20, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, go take care of some things in your office and let the team get all the information on the table. And, you know, that's a little different style. You know, you said leaders know what the answer is already. Here's what shocks. We're in a manufacturing company. And when I see leaders, we have a manufacturing issue on the floor, and I see leaders want to get together in a conference room, and I go, where are the people who build the product? Mm -hmm. Well, still on the floor. But why are you in the conference room? Why aren't you out talking to the people who build the product? I go out and sit with the folks on the floor and go, show me your challenges. Show me your problem. I have a problem here. Why do we have a problem here? A bunch of leaders sitting in a conference room, they're not going to solve the problem unless you're talking to people who do the work. Right. You know, and we try and get people to, to, to listen to that. I have leaders that will get to that. Well, I, I can talk all day, all week, all month, 
And then I go, okay, would you like to see the numbers? Would you like to see the results? And that's when I start talking about 10 million, 200 million. Last year, we booked our, our largest order ever, 495 million in late November. Uh, record revenues, record profits, record cash flow. Uh, and the interesting part about it is we did it with the same employees. People told me over and over again, you're gonna, all right, you're gonna get from 10 million to 30 million, 40 million, you're gonna have to bring in an entire new leadership team because they don't know how to make this become a company that size. And you know what, that's hogwash. You give people love, you care about people, you give the tools what they need to do their job, and the rest is just zeros. Right. 10 million or 20, they're just zeros. You were still building radios, we're just building more of them. You know, and, so, and that, that brings me that brings me to you know, what you were saying. There. I think it's a, a you know, around the bottom line piece. I mean, many old school thinkers might think that this servant leader thing is a bit socialist, a bit out of touch with the quote bottom line. Yeah, you took Detron uh, from ten million to two hundred million in six years. Uh, talk to us about that disconnect. Because it, you know, it does seem, you know, certainly from the, that point of view, that this is a disconnect. This servant leader stuff, you know, it means that we're not focused on the bottom line. We're focused on serving our people, serving, maybe even serving our customers. But, you know, it doesn't serve the bottom line. Right. You can go look at companies that are like Jim Collins, good and great companies. They average about 15% uh, return. You look at servant-led companies; they bump up to twenty-four percent return. Wow! We were average. We were averaging uh, every year twenty-four percent pre-tax, pre-tax, not operating income, pre-tax. Wow! Unheard of percentages. And I asked, asked leaders, whether the corporate or private, I said, "Do you think your shareholders, the people you serve, or your owners, would be interested in a ten percent increase in in your your uh, pre-tax earnings? Would they be interested in ten percent?" Well, of course, then why aren't you looking at this option to give that to them? Why are you just saying, hey, I, I don't believe in this because I can't get results. But the toughest thing that leaders have, and I, I learned this in the first couple of years, is leaders, when you ask them to look at becoming a servant leader, they will transform at different speeds. People will change their beliefs at different speeds. I still have to get results because I still provide jobs to everybody in the company. So I still have to get the results Mm -hmm. Or I'm just, a, um, you know, the latest and greatest management thing that didn't work. Right. So if I don't have the results, then servant leadership doesn't mean anything. But the results that we track in our organization is how many people we help. How many people we help that year. And what we found is the more people we help, the greater the profits. So talk to us a little bit about that. How do you track that, the people you help? We set aside 10% of our, our uh, operating profit every quarter. Um, you know, we, if we've got to make a profit, so we'd set 10% aside into our charitable fund. We so let this the, is the tithing sort of thing. It's like a tithe. Yeah, it's, it's our tithe. You know, we're yeah. our, 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 our people of faith, and it's our tithe. But we don't get to decide where that money goes. We let employees decide where that money goes. So they, we set 10% aside. They get to decide where they're going to give it to. They just the organization has to be a 501c3 and has to be good standing and there's a, there's some requirements. Sure. But they give to give money money back to organizations that help their families, help them, and so now they get to write a check. They don't write the check, but they'll put a grant request in somebody on the floor for ten, fifteen, or twenty 
$20,000 to help an organization that's now they really get to give back to the to the, to the uh, community and that allows them to really own our purpose of positively affecting the lives of others so we look at how many grants did we issue how much have we have, have we passed out as part of the fund but reports back from the organizations how many people did it help how many people did we get out of homelessness how many people did we help with ms how many people did we help with epilepsy with heart disease how, what what did they do with that money because we have to be good stewards right sure. and so we look at that and report that every month to our employees here's the grant request we list out all the grant requests here's the organizations we did and we tell stories of the people they helped and sometimes we share photographs with them they've helped people around the world of around the world that's wonderful. And I've got the best job in the world because people here think that I'm the guy responsible for that. And I'm going, don't thank me. Thank thank my employees because they're the ones that made it happen. They helped make make the money in the first place, and they decided where where the money gets to go. That's beautiful. And so now they have a great purpose in life. Our our purpose and our company is to positively impact the lives of others today and in the future. Go do that. We've got a fund. We've got some money. Go invest in things and and. People love that part of our company. I'm sure they do. We go through it all the time, but people don't leave us because they know we're about purpose. Yeah. Let's follow the purpose. Yeah. You know, I just just wrote an article um, about the five greatest challenges facing business and leadership today and the one one solution that fixes it all. And the answer is purpose. Purpose. Um, But... But purpose is a body of work. Purpose is not, oh, let's write some crappy mission statement on the wall that nobody actually cares about, but it sounds good in marketing, versus, as you're saying, not only finding your purpose, but eating, sleeping, living, breathing your purpose every yep. single day. You know, when, when we go into a company, I say, you know, I, we're going to work on the corporate purpose here, but we can't get to the corporate purpose unless we work on the purpose of at least the executives. So let's start with that. And, you know, and, and then I say to them, and they go, what has this got to do with anything? I say, because, A, if your purpose doesn't tie to the corporate purpose, you're leaving anyway. You're in the wrong place. Exactly. If it's tied to that, you're going to want to be here. The company's going to want to, and there's going to be an alignment. However, here's the bigger piece, and this is totally as a bonus. And they go, what's that? I said, your life will get better. You'll be a better husband. You'll be a better wife. You'll be a better father. You'll be a better mother. You'll be a better brother. You'll be a better friend. You'll be a better human being yes, because exactly. you'll be guided by something that you don't. You can associate to a faith, but it doesn't have to be associated to a faith. But it's this what we call the soul of you, who you are, you it know, is. the soul purpose. And that having that connection to something that is greater than you, if it's not, you know, if you don't believe in God and it's not a God thing, but. A, a, a greater thing as in a, a, a greater impact than wonderful. Right, exactly. And when those purposes align, guess what? You have a lot of fun. Yes. You have great success. Yes. And you move from being successful to being significant in life. Exactly. Right? And that's where it's off. I wanted to be successful in my, early in my career. You know, of out of college, go to work, I want to be successful. I wish somebody taught me about significance while, while I was in college because significance means more to me today than success because without the significance, it, I, I don't have a purpose. I'm right. just making money. Exactly. And the purpose is where I love to live. I love to be in the purpose. Yeah. 
because that's that's what really turns us on and really gets results. So um, it's a lot of fun to watch leaders think about things and go, I, I can't buy into this. I just can't. I can't do this. And really what we're boiling down to is, OK, Art, what are you afraid of? Yes. What are you afraid about change? If I can help that person change their own beliefs about themselves, now I got a chance to help them change their beliefs about what they do with their team. Yeah. Right? And and the transformation has to start with us first. Yeah. Yeah, and and part of that is for us as people who who direct people in that way. I think one of the great challenges is that we also have to get um, that just because somebody says they want to change doesn't mean they want to. Mm-hmm. And just because they say they want to change and even if they want to doesn't mean they can because some people uh, become quite terrified at leaving behind an old identity. We were working with a president recently who you know, brought us in, wanted, wanted things to change, wanted, it's a multi-generational business, wanted things to change in his relationship with his son, wanted things to change in, you know, and we exposed a bunch of stuff like, you know, you don't know that your executives are actually afraid. And he's like, no, they're not. They all love us. I said, no, you know, you can argue with me and, and that's mm-hmm. fine. And right. ultimately, you know, you get to fire us. So it's up to you. But the bottom line is your people are afraid and they, they are afraid that they could go at any minute because of the style of the leadership that you have. But we're very good and we're very generous. Yeah, you are. You do wonderful things for wonderful people and you give to charity and you do all these things. But the bottom line is this is still a dictatorship. And the argument is, I've done this for 40 years, and we've helped a lot of people. Okay, so you want to change as long as you don't have to. Right. And, and, <laughs> and that's, yeah, the, that's, yeah, the, that's the tipping yeah, point. I, I, I share with leaders, you know, it's more important how you get those results than, than the results themselves. Mm-hmm. How you get them is more important. And today, I will tell you, I focus more on how... I get the results, then what results? Because if I and I do it in caring and loving for people and, and adding value to people and pouring into their growth, and I do it with the right motives from the heart, not just to make a buck. Mm-hmm. People know, you know, if you have the right motives or not, they know if you're doing it for buck for the buck or if you're really doing it to to help people. When you make that transformation and really start pouring into people, your organization is going to bypass you. It, it's going to perform in ways that you couldn't even imagine it would perform yeah and in our first year um actually second year we started our, our planning process and the team came to me and says all right how much do you want to grow next year and i said i'm never going to tell you how much to grow well no you you have to tell 10 percent, 15 because we have to know how much expense to budget right i said i want you to look at it this way i want you to go out and serve our customers and i want you to serve it at best level possible let them decide how fast we're going to grow with their checkbook. If we serve them right, they're going to come back to us. Mm-hmm. Then they're going, to, they're going to grow. And that's what happened with us. We went out, took care of customers. We didn't worry about growing 10% or 15%. We worried about serving the customer. And we let them decide if we should grow or not. Let your customers decide if you should grow or not. And when you do that and just serve, serve your customers, they're going to come back and they're going to come back. and. The greatest joy I have is when I go to a trade show and one of our competitors comes to the to the booth and we have a brand new radio or, or brand new product. And they go, how did you guys do that? 
How did you guys do it? Because we don't understand how a private small company, how did you do that? Mm-hmm. Have no idea what a purpose and a heart brings to the process. Exactly. They're in a the power model. Yeah. And they figure out how do we keep bringing new products to market? How do we keep serving the customer better than they do? And how on earth does this small company keep taking business away from us? <laughs> and as long as they don't understand that, I'm having a great time. Sure. Yeah. I'd love Can- to transform them someday. But um, that's the, the greatest joy I have is our competitors, such as the big companies, they have no idea how we accomplish what we accomplish. That's because of heart. They just don't have a heart. They yeah. don't get it. Yeah. yeah. They don't you, get it. You have two books out of this time. The first one is Farmer Able, which is – uh, not a traditional leadership book in that, in fact, it's a fable yes. with endorsements by leadership superstars like Stephen Covey and John Maxwell and many other uh, leadership luminaries. So, so first tell us about that one. Tell us why you decided to go that non-traditional leadership book uh, and why you decided to put your message in a fable. Uh, two reasons. Uh, early in my career, I read a book called The Goal. Mm-hmm. And the goal was a story about uh, a young leader came in to run a, a small division and he's having a hard time getting people to get on board with what he was doing. And one of the chapters he talks about, you know what, I don't know what to do here anymore. So there's a little hill behind the plant. He goes off, gets a pizza and a six pack of beer and sits on top of the hill going, how on earth am I going to change this organization? Right. Mm-hmm. How can I change this? And it was a story and I couldn't put that book down. So I always believe that stories are more powerful. I mean, we can write academic books, which which there is a, a great reason to do an academic book. I'm sure. not an academic guy. Right. I'm a story guy. Yeah. So if I try and write an a- academic book, guess what? I, I'm, I'm going to bore people. I'm a story person. The second reason we did that is we wanted people to be able to talk about different characters on the farm and, and people and animals because the animals are involved with that. We wanted them to relate to the animals and their behavior to depersonalize where they are as individuals. So if you think about that, the companies that have really gotten into Farmer Able, they now go to me and go, you know what? I acted like Juanita last week or <laughs> yeah. what? I'm, I'm Clarice this week right. or I'm Harry, I'm Harry the horse. I'm struggling with that part of it. Right. They don't have to put their name on the table. They can talk about characters. Everybody's read the story. Right. Everybody knows the struggle of that individual and how they got out of it. And now we show them a path on how to get out of it. And the feedback we get is, Art, we love this because we, we don't have to talk about ourselves. Yes. We, don't have to talk about ourselves. we get to talk about animals. Right. And, and that's where um, we've seen the greatest transformation is when people start talking about the story and not about where they are. But they're improving themselves through the story. They're actually getting better. So, 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 tell us, so tell us a piece of your story. What's the part of your story that most people don't ask you about? You know, I, I, one of the things that one of the questions I like to ask my guests is, what, what's the question nobody bothers to ask you? What's the part of your story that that you'd actually like mm-hmm. to share that gets left behind? Because we tend to see people, you know, oh, you're the you're the CEO of this, you know, two hundred million dollar company. You're the start. You founded this institute, and it's all sort of up here. But what's right. the part of the story that we don't know that we need to know? You know, I was the type of father. Um, I worked. I started with Daytron in 1997, so um, seven years before I bought it. Mm-hmm. And 90% of our business is overseas, and I spent a lot of time in Africa, a lot of time in Asia, in different mm-hmm. countries. 
Um, and I always thought as a father that calling back home every day for 15 or 20 minutes and saying hi to the kids was good enough. Mm -hmm. that, that was a good dad because I called every day. And I was gone. Uh, some of my trips would last up to six weeks, six, seven weeks at a wow. time. And so I would come home and Lori would have the house running well. I'd come in. I would think that the kids could do something different or we need to do a discipline a different way. And Lori would come to me after a couple of weeks and go, isn't it time for you to hit the road again? Because I was the dis disruptive force in the family. And not in a positive way. way. Call back and then I come back and just redo everything that she had put together. Right. And I really didn't understand the impact of that until uh, my daughter became a teenager and started driving. And uh, Jennifer, she's, I love her dearly. She's got the biggest heart in the world. But she was a demolition, demolition queen of cars when she first start, started driving. She wrecked <laughs> the cars. And of course, me, the father, I'd come in, what were you thinking about? What were you doing? You need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. What servant leadership helped me realize was I needed to tell her a message. She needed to know that there isn't anything that she could do that would change how much I love her. Mm -hmm. She didn't need to have a raging father getting upset with her. And so after one of her crashes, she came home, she was in tears. And I went and gave her a hug. I said, Jennifer, there isn't anything you can do that's going to change how much I love you. You can wreck all the curl. I don't care how many cars you wrecked. I'm going to love you the same. Go get some sleep. We'll take care of this tomorrow. That was the start of the biggest change in my life with my family. Because that's the time I got my family back. And up to that point, as a power leader, I had lost my family and I didn't realize it because I was off traveling first class, hotels, meeting with with government leaders. And you know what? While I was doing that, I was losing my family. And um, so I had some time to make up. And um, that conversation with Jennifer was the transformation for me as a father. That started my transformation really as a husband. And that's when I realized I had to become a better person uh, for my family first. And my business is actually lower on the priority list. Uh, that change has changed my life, though, has changed my life. And uh, I am so glad that Ken introduced me to, Ken Blanchard introduced me to servant leadership back in 2003, that he challenged me in my leadership beliefs. Because without that challenge in 2003, I don't think I'd be where I am today. And I don't think I have a relationship with my family, the people that I love the most. And that's the part of my story that I get to tell people. And you know, if I get a chance to impact a father or a mother and help them bring their family together again, or bring them closer again, man, this journey is worth every second of it. Because mm -hmm. I know if they're going to get better at home, they're going to get better in life. They'll get better at work. They'll enjoy things better. And it's just going to domino into a better for everybody. And so I never know when my words, you're, you're, you're this way. You never know when your words are going to hit someone. Nope. You never know what, what, how it's going to impact them. All we know is we keep doing what we're doing and inspiring people. And we know that little tidbits are going to be planted in hearts and they're going to grow. Whether we get to see that grow or not, that's a different story. But we keep planting that seed and people are going to grow and, and they're going to change their lives. And they're going to change lives in ways that will transform who they are. And that's the real, real joy in servant leadership. But I get to hear the stories of transforming families.
But you, I said, always... you said something I think is is vital for us to pay attention to, um, in that so often we don't recognize the impact um, on the people we love, uh, particularly if we're old school and we, you know, I'm doing this for you and I'm building and I'm working all these hours so I can provide a better life for everybody here under this roof and, you know, but really what it is is a beneficent dictatorship mm -hmm. where, where the, the, the leader, the dad in this case, is not really available and there's this BS justification of the six weeks away and the 20 minute call and all of that stuff. And, you know, it's like that wonderful song by Harry Chapin, the cats in the cradle, you know, yep. I love that song. I just wrote a piece about it because it's like, you know, we'll get together some, you know, we'll get together real soon. And then the kid grows up and the, and the, the kid keeps saying, I want to be like you. And then one day dad needs his son to spend time with him and his son's too damn busy. You know, we forget that people don't learn by what we tell them. They learn by what they see us demonstrate, whether we are leaders or fathers. Not that there's any distinction in that for me, at least. Um, and we've got to really stop and say, hold on. What am I teaching by virtue of my behavior? And that moment of stopping and being with your daughter and saying, there's nothing I, you can do that will change the way I feel about you, the level of love I have, is a profound moment. But I think even more profound is the realization, like you did with the guy who won't retire, mm -hmm. is the job isn't the number one priority. It's the, it's the servant. And this is the interesting thing about servant leadership for me. When I talk about it, is that the job is the servant of the number one priority. And I think that that's a piece that most people around servant leadership don't get. Is right. yes, I'm here to serve my people and I you know and but I always say but you the job is also the servant of what is the number one priority. If you're a religious person, then your job is probably serving your faith. If you're not a religious person and you have a purpose that you know and you're clear about, then the job should be serving the purpose. Mm -hmm. And we flip it around and we go, well, you know, this is my career and this is what matters. Yeah. And you do that. Why? To pay the rent, to give my family a lifestyle. Yeah. But you're missing in the, you're missing in the, in, you're the missing element. Right. You're a that's, producer. And that's the biggest joy that you can, you're missing out on the biggest joy in life. Absolutely. Helping, helping your family grow. Um, our t number one value in our company, number one value is our families come first. Beautiful. And we tell people if you need family, spouses has a hip replaced, is sick, well, you go right. and take care because this company will survive whether you're here or not. There isn't any company that won't survive having one person out. Exactly. Even me, you've got to go take care of your family. And we always, we, we tell people, I, I don't want your grandkids to when they hear the word Datron, the company you worked at for you know, 10, 15 years, I don't want them to think about Datron being the company that took their grandparents or parents away from them. Yeah. I want them to go think about, these were the time, great times I had with them. We went down and visited the company. We went over here and, and had this event. We did this. I want people to think of, of that name as positive, not going, oh, here we go again. I'm not gonna see dad for another you know, three or four weeks because you know, Datron takes priority.
Yeah. And it took us a while to learn that. And I'm sure. and it it's it's hard to keep that in practice because you know what? We all get wrapped up into things. We all think projects are more important. Yeah. And I will tell people, don't let that happen. Um, let cool. it, yeah, yeah. So your, I, second, your second book, your most recent book, is in fact a journal, the Servant yes. Leadership Journal, eight weeks to transform you and your organization. Again, you know, first one's a fable, not a traditional leadership book. Second one's a journal, not a traditional leadership book. Tell us why you decided a journal was the way to go. Well, in our uh, teaching Servant Leadership at Daytron, we found that there were certain behaviors that help people transform at a faster rate that people really latched onto. And so we really focused on those nine behaviors. And it was a result of us looking at how did the training go? What kind of things did we see? What were some of the reports coming out of, out of things? Um, and we had a very open company where leaders would sit down and tell me where you were successful servant leadership this month. Tell me one item that you had, you struggled with. Um, and uh, we saw a lot of transformation and focusing on behavior. You mentioned earlier, what do you do? Not what you say, but exactly. what do you do, right? Yeah. And so we believe in behavior talk. Behavior talk as a leader. Mm. Uh, and journaling was a big part of my transformation. And, you know, sitting down and writing things about what, what you, and it's not writing about what you did today. It's writing about how you did it. How did you feel about it? And, you know, so some people that says, I can't write this stuff. I'm going, you know what? I said the same thing. I said the same thing. Mm -hmm. What really has helped me is I've got journals upon journals now. I can go back. I get to see my transformation. Here's what I thought about servant leadership in year two. Here's what I think about it in year 10. Mm -hmm. I get to see how much I've grown as an individual. Yeah. And so we said, why don't we share this journaling? Um, so we decided to take the nine behaviors, have have them spend two weeks on each behavior, and just you know go through four questions, learn about it, see what you want to do with it, set a goal for the next day, and then write about what you what the results were. And I've had more people come and tell me, Art, you've changed my life. You hmm. changed my life. I said, you know, I'd love to take credit for that. You're changing your life because you've taken action. Exactly. And look at you and be open to that process. And now you want to get better. So you're making this happen. I'm not making it happen. We're just providing you the vehicle to make it happen. Can, and you, so, can you share with us one of one of those nine behaviors so that our, our leaders can sort of go, hmm, okay, I can take on that challenge? Well, of course, you know, you got you to gotta serve first. Uh, our second one is build trust and trust is, is the basis of a lot of relationships. Any good relationship, you have to have trust. Absolutely. You've got to have trust. Uh, you've got to live your values. Uh, you got to listen to understand. Once you've listened to understand, now you got to think about your thinking and reflect on what you were told and what you're going to do with it. Then you want to add value to people. Who do you want to add bad value to? And you know, these are an order of stepping stones of foundations because you can't go add value to people before you build trust with them. No. Nope. So build trust first. And to add value, you have to be courageous. Then once you do all that, you get to increase your influence with people because now you can impact people in ways you never thought possible. Mm -hmm. um, and then biggest thing for leaders is you've got to live your transformation. Once you transform, now you've got to go live it even more every day. Don't ever believe you're going to check off the box that ah, today I've arrived, I'm now a servant leader. 
you're going to get better every, every, every day. And it's a journey. It's not something you check off a to-do list. And so we share those behaviors. We build upon them. Uh, we take you through that in the journal. And our hope is that one of those behaviors, you're going to decide which one of those behaviors is best right. for you to work on. Mm -hmm. And work on the one that you think you need best on. If you don't know what you need to work on, ask those that love you the most. <laughs> and preferably and, not and, sick of yeah. friends who will tug their forelock and say you're great. <laughs> See how courageous you're going to be in yeah. listening to what they have to say, right? Because yeah. it takes courage to listen to what people have to say where, where you need to improve. So, um, you know, we, we found that trust is the key. And that's why we love Stephen M. R. Covey. Uh, we love working with him, um, and he believes in servant leadership, and we know that trust is one of the basic. Once you decide to serve people, now you've got to be able to build trust with people, and that means that you show them your heart, and you, they know your motive. They know why you do what you do, not just to get a, get a, get a reward at the end. Yeah, so those are the nine behaviors, and Fabulous. I would challenge I, I they, encourage they, people to uh, dig into those. I, I want to quickly ask you, because I know you, you also, uh, you know, aside from – uh, spreading this message to a variety of corporations and nonprofits uh, throughout the U.S., you've also spread this message into government and governmental audiences. Uh, it appears that there is a, it appears that there is a lack of servant leadership um, at the governmental level, and by that I don't just mean in the White House, but I I mean I see you know I see. Uh, stalemate in Congress, you know, I mean, it doesn't seem particularly servant driven. What's it like to deliver that message to that kind of environment? Well, you can imagine there's a lot of uh, government people who don't want to listen. Uh, they're not used to listening uh, oh. to telling people what, what is right and what's wrong. Right. Um, those that, um, you know, I, I, get exposure to a lot of government people around the world because we do business everywhere around the world. Uh, we do military business, commercial business, but I get to talk to some pretty heavy duty leaders. Mm -hmm. They come to our plant. What always amazes me is I get a senior leader uh, and, and they say, Art, can I spend a little bit of time with you? Just one-on-one. -on -one. And I go, okay, yeah, yeah. What, what? I've had more leaders come and go, Art, tell me about servant leadership because I want to take it back to my country. They can't have that conversation with their entire staff there no, because it's not accepted. But these these men want to change their country. They want to provide security for their their citizens and they want to provide sovereignty for their country. And they're going, I can do this by serving people better. Help me learn how to do that. Yeah. And it's a one on one with that. And, and I get to see that transformation in countries where people are now serving people instead of, uh, of uh, their leaders. Great story is in Zimbabwe, I met with a communications uh, leader there. Our, the police was our, our customer. And I said, Eric, how can I help you? And he says, it's, it's easy, Art. He says, we don't have a great president. We're going to have demonstrations. I want to control those demonstrations where my friends and my family are going to be part of it. I want to control that with good communications and not with bullets. Huh. And I said, Eric, I'll help you. And six or seven years later, there was an article written by the Associated Press that the elections in that country that year were the least violent in the country's history. Hmm. I took that article, showed it to my folks and said, 
This is why we do what we do. We're saving lives because people can control events with great communications and not have to do it where they have to take lives. And that's happening all over the world. We never see that reported because that's not exciting news. No. We always see other stuff. Um, what I, I got a question the other day on uh, one of our, our recent webinar. The question was, Art, what would you tell people in Washington and about serving leaders? I, I would tell them one simple thing. I would tell serve the people and not the ideology. Mm-hmm. If you're really serious about serve the people first and not the ideology yeah. and see the transformation that that does. And I, that would be my advice. And if I get people who want to want to do that and, and take that serious, man, we could have some great leaders there. But, you know, that's that's the transformation we need to make there. Right. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it certainly uh, seems like a, a vague possibility at this time. Oh, people yeah. are serving their position, uh, serving an ideology. Um, <clears throat> you know, we see people who were very much against the the the, uh, the person who was likely to become the candidate. And then when the person goes from the candidate to uh, the president, oh, yeah, now everything's wonderful. Yeah, you know, you really lack a lot of integrity I and mean, you're not really serving your people. It's it's pretty sad for me, at least, because I'm very much like you. I'm about serving the people. Um, as we get close to the end here, which is what we are, I want to... Uh, I want to ask you, because you said about checking the box um, and how there is no checking the box, and I agree with you fully. So what is a, a problem or a challenge that you are currently working on in your own leadership or in your own business? Mm-hmm. Um, we have a couple of them. You know, we're, we're with the worldly events that we see going on, that impacts our business. And there are times when we're expecting orders to come and they don't come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when that happens, we have to remember that we need to be compassionate with people. And I have a few new leaders on board and, you know, they were, well, we don't have the work for people. I said, okay, so what do you want to do? Well, we need to get rid of people. I said, no, we don't. Well, why not? No, no, we don't have the, the work. So I said, we'll find something for them to do. Well, I, I, I said, guys, we're in a servant led organization. We serve the people first, not the business. And so, just because I don't have business today and something for them to work on, I have all kinds of things that need to get done. Let's go work on those things that we didn't have time for last year and go work on those and take care of that and keep people busy. I don't have to keep them in that job. I don't have to, but I've got a lot of stuff for them to do. So put them to work. Well, they're going to be charging overhead. So what? Who cares? They get to take a paycheck home and serve their families. Mm-hmm. I don't care what bucket it goes in, right? Mm-hmm. I really don't. Go serve your family. So that's a challenge we have with our up and down business. We're going through a refresher course right now in servant leadership, and we're focusing on the nine behaviors. And so we're, we're helping employees uh, get a little bit more familiar with, with the nine behaviors. And, you know, we work really hard at being great listeners, and people go, hey, we can improve even more there. So we've reached a different level in listening. But it surprises me that we got a long way to go yet. We <laughs> yes. haven't arrived. Yeah. Let's get to what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and for me, uh, there are times when I get told by my team that you don't have all the information and you made the wrong decision. And I go, okay, well, I, I thought I had all the information. I go back and look at it. I didn't listen to all the people that had the input. I need to get better at that. Now, what 
happens today is I've learned that I can be listening, but I also have facial expressions. I have mannerisms. People watch that just as much as they do your words. Even more. I had one individual get upset with me about six months ago. I said, a couple days later, I said, why were you upset? He says, the look on your face. Yeah. I said, tell me what the look looked like. So you get wrinkles in your forehead. You get this frown. And I go, help me change that. Mm-hmm. And so back when I was in the kitchen with Lori that day and she told me I wasn't a good listener, I had to learn to listen. Now I'm learning about facial expressions on how it impacts people. Um, you know, silos are always a challenge. People Absolutely. work in apartments and we don't have an org chart. And when you bring new people in, they go, where's the org chart? I said, I don't have one. And they said, why don't you have one? I said, it's easy. I want people to go to anyone about anything to get what they need to serve the customer. I don't want them to go up an org chart and down an org chart to be able to get permission to talk to somebody who's 20 feet away from them. Right. 20 feet away from them. Yeah, the two cubicles over to people. It's crazy. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, we're getting better at that. And we're, you know, sometimes we talk about getting rid of email because of all the email strings we we see and people sitting right next to each other spending more time emailing than they do actually cut talking. Um, yeah. So we're working on relationships. We're looking, working on being better listeners. Um, but for us, it's the up and down of our business because we're international. And so mm-hmm. we see a lot of fluctuations. How do we deal with that in a human basis? Because as servant leaders, we need to be treating people with dignity and respect all the time, not just in good times. Absolutely. And sometimes that means that you make the right decision and keep people on board for another month, two, three months and wait for that order to come in. You know what? I'll make less money this month. I'm a private company. I don't care. Right. I don't care. I'd rather have the people take a paycheck home. And so in these times where news gets out and Washington's not in sync and we face more emotions with people because of what's going on in the outside world than we do here because it impacts our business. Of course. And so people hear a world event and they go, Art, how's it gonna impact our business? How's it gonna impact that order? How's it gonna impact this country? How's it gonna do this? Of course. Uh, and so that's the concern they have is, what's going on, on the outside, how it's gonna impact us? And then how do we deal with it in, in the right way as servant leaders? And so. Very, very cool, very interesting. This has been a great conversation. I really wanna thank you for, for joining us and sharing with us. Uh, please tell our listeners, our viewers, where they can find out more about you, more about servant leadership, or any ways that you they they can get in touch with you if they want to. Sure, you can search my name. Uh, I'll come up and, and there'll be all kinds of stuff. You can search servantleadershipinstitute.com. That will take you right to the institute's webpage. Uh, most most of the time, we're on the first or second page on that search. But if you if you search servant leadership institute. Um, and if you want to type that whole thing in and put a dot com on the end, you'll go get right to our website. Right. Uh, Datron uh, website is dtwc.com. Uh, we'll share with you about the company, uh, the radio business. Um, but uh, Servant Leadership Institute um, is the one that you want to go through and give you an idea of what we do, um, services we provide. And we just want to help people, Dove. We That's just want beautiful. to help. It's and beautiful. I tell people, don't be worried about my fee. Don't we like to ask people, okay, what, what do you want to accomplish? What kind of budget you have? What can, and then we'll tell you if we can help you. Right. And don't assume that, you know, don't assume that. And, um, so that part of it, I go, we're, we want to help people and we've done stuff for free because we find people with the right heart 
and we know they're going to have a greater impact. So why say no to that just because there are dollars attached to it? So anyway, um, it's fabulous. find us. Uh, you can search Farmer Able um, in Amazon or, or anywhere yep. else. It will lead you to the Institute. So and We'll certainly uh, post all those links when we post the show, when it goes live. We want to thank you Art, for being on the show. Thank you for all the wonderful things that you've shared. And again, I encourage everyone to reach out to Art, go and look up Servant Leader Institute, go look up Art, and, uh, and reach out to him too and let him know what you got out of the show because, as I say all the time, don't just listen to this. Listening is nice. It's great if it's in the background, but it, nothing's going to change with that. It, it's not lip service, it's ear service. That's different. You've actually got to put it in action. So listen back, take some notes, and take some action, please. And then let me and let Art know how it's impacted you. I want to thank Art for being with us today, and I hope you'll stay with us to the end. And I want to remi- remind you, dear listener, dear viewer, that the research consistently shows that one of the biggest challenges facing even the most successful companies is somewhat counterintuitive in that the fastest growing companies are often hit the point where they realize that they're spending an absolute fortune attracting, training, and developing talent only to have them leave them at an incredible rate of turnover. And as Art was talking about earlier, you know, getting the people to stay loyal is a major, major challenge, maybe even a crisis. And if you're sick of investing in training and development of your talent only to have them leave you before you get the return on investment, then please reach out to us at fullmontyleadership.com where we provide the essential leadership skills to bring you back to your purpose, to rekindle and amplify the hidden loyalty assets inside of your organization and to assist you in reducing that employee turnover by as much as 80% in 120 days just simply evaporating those costs, fullmontyleadership.com, providing you with the concrete soft skills to get you and your organization to the top and keep you there. Why? Because you can't outsource authenticity. And always remember that you can get your matrix self-assessment leadership tool. It's absolutely free to you before being a listener or viewer of the show. It's $197 value, matrix.fullmontyleadership.com. Get yourself over there, get the tool, it's absolutely free to you. Till next time, this is Dove Baron, Full Monty Leadership, saying stay curious, my friends, stay curious about how you can serve with a little more heart and a little more soul. Till next time, this is Dove Baron, and I am out.